0: This is Chris McGregor. The work of Discerning Hearts could not continue without your prayers and support. Between now and December 31st, please consider making a year-end tax-deductible gift. Click Donate at either discerninghearts.com or inside the Discerning Hearts Free app. Your generous support will allow us to continue our podcast for those on the discerning journey. Thank you and God bless from all of us at Discerning Hearts. I want to start with Matthew chapter two. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is the newborn King of the Jews? We saw his star at its rising, and we have come to him. Now this passage is is, is very, very rich because it uh, deals with this important theme of what we are attracted to. And during our younger uh, days, uh, we may be attracted to many, many things. Right? You all remember, perhaps as little boys at least, you wanted to be a fireman. Are there any firemen here tonight? You know, were you... Were you attracted initially? Some people are to what they're going to do for the rest of their life. But most of us flip and flop around. We are attracted to so many things. And here we have the wise men totally fixed upon the one thing, the one thing necessary. And in almost wild obedience, they follow their attraction to the one thing necessary. The majority of our spiritual lives is the purification of being diverted from the one thing necessary. This is, of course, why Jesus gave us the sacrament of reconciliation. This is why the church is blessed with spiritual direction. This is why the church blesses us with Advent and Lent. This is why we suffer and hopefully learn from it. Because we have the hardest time staying attracted to the one thing necessary. And that's what makes the lives of the saints so wonderful to read, so dramatic, so interesting. Is because we we see both their own limitations and finitude, their own ignorance, and then the loving, compassionate, guiding hand of God weaving in and out of their lives. As if God is rooting for them, which He is, to become fixed upon the one thing Necessary. And this one thing necessary does a marvelous act within us. And that is if we stay focused on it, it quiets our chaos. As you become holier and holier, as you become more sanctified by your continual reception of the Most Blessed Sacrament, the most amazing thing occurs inside your being, the voices quiet. If you're doing it right, if you are really receiving the body, blood, soul and divinity of Jesus every Sunday or every day if you go to mass every day, and you're really allowing that mystery to inhabit all the corners of your consciousness and all the attractions of your heart when you receive Him, if you're doing it right, over the years, quiet will inhabit you. And the other word for quiet is freedom. Because when you're little, you do manic, manic things. Hither and yon, running, running, running. As you grow older, not only your body slows down, which is a beautiful symbol, but your soul slows down. And as you more deeply receive Holy Communion, inside of you, the voices calm. And you, like the wise men, can begin to focus on the one thing necessary, His voice and His voice alone. Now if you say, I'm 60 years old and I still have a cacophony of voices in my head, Keating, you're wrong, then I will simply say to you, you're not receiving deep enough. You need spiritual direction. You need a retreat. You need to tell your husband to shut up. That would be more a more mundane reason as to why you still have so many voices in your head. But spiritually, it's inevitable. It's inevitable that the more deeply we surrender, the more he's going to gift us with simplicity. And this is why saints are annoyingly happy, and why we're neurotically annoying. Because we still have all these voices in us, while the saint glides through time in complete order. Now, of course, that doesn't mean the saint is suffering. It just means that he or she glides through time in complete order. Because Satan, of course, will always attack, attack the simple ones. But he cannot get to the root of their quiet. He cannot get to the root of their simplicity because that is guarded by their participation at Mass. And try as he might to get to the root, he is rebuffed time and time again by their simplicity. And because they have become simple, they have become free. And because they have become free, we trust them with our lives. Which is why we hunger after the lives of the saints. And how in a strange way, we have spiritual envy. I wish I could be Maximilian Colby And step forward and say, I will die in the place of that man. And then suffer in prison for a long while, and then be injected with a poison and die glorifying God. I wish... if we do not allow the Eucharist to go deep, then we simply stay at the level of spiritual envy where we wish. But if you actually share everything in your being with the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus, you will not have to wish because you will have become what you have been attracted to. You will have become holy. And one of the ways, simple ways, that we can begin to lessen the distractions is to begin a regimen, and it's always good to do this in a penitential season like Advent, begin a regimen of noticing your thoughts. and all the great saints, Francis de Sales, St. Ignatius of Loyola, anyone who had mastered the interior life, or who rather had been mastered by the Holy Spirit, anyone who had been mastered will tell us the same thing. at the first sign of a, of a thought that will lead you into distraction and take you away from the attraction to the one thing that matters, they all teach us to immediately end that thought with the name of Jesus. So when you're in a cycle of self-hate or self-doubt, I'm no good, I'm a loser, I'm a failure, when those recordings are habitually being played in your heart, at the first sound, the first awakening of that recording, Jesus any of your temptations to the seven deadly sins. Jesus. The first consciousness. The way we become a saint is to become one who notices your own thoughts. And then to relate them to the healing power of Jesus. The way to become a saint is to do our best To follow the attraction and then will, our deepest desire, to stay in communion. That's where all that peace comes from. That's where all the silence in their heart comes from. They choose to stay in the presence. Where a lot of times we're choosing to be drawn from the presence, We willfully cooperate with the culture of distraction that we live in. And then we wonder why we're not happy. We wonder why this Christianity thing isn't working. Because we are cooperating, as St. Paul would say, with the spirit of this age. And we are not cooperating with going deep, down, living out of the communion with the Trinity that has been in your heart since baptism? The question is, who took your freedom from you? That's a powerful question. Why did I let an entity, perhaps a habit, perhaps a hobby, perhaps an addiction, why did I let that reality take my freedom from me? Jesus, you be my freedom. You restore my communion with You. You gift me with peace and simplicity. You be my only attraction. Now you may think, well, that's stupid. That's very idealistic. Keating is a romantic. He's a poet. That means we can easily dismiss him. I don't think so. I think God's a poet. And that could be psychological projection on my part. That's okay. God is made in my image. (laughs) I'm idealistic. I'm poetic, therefore I make God that way. But no, I don't think so. I think if we read the Scriptures very closely, we know that God is very idealistic. The whole church is idealistic. That's why whenever you get depressed in the presence of ideals, you should pray a prayer of protection from Satan. Because the only one among us who's not idealistic is Satan. And he continually pulls at idealism with strange questions or comments like, get real. Put your feet on the earth. That's very close to depression. That's not reality. Reality is the continual movement forward, letting the Trinity scoop you up and take you in to a life of participation in the Trinity's own happiness. You can't get any more idealistic than that. And that's our faith. You can't get any more romantic than what's hanging above your head tonight the spouse giving every ounce of blood for the bride. There is nothing more romantic than Jesus Christ. There is nothing more real than his ideals, because he is reality. And so when the heavy thoughts of the earth assail you, push against them. Let the light in. Let the resurrection in. You be the leading edge of the resurrection for this community. Push the heaviness away with truth. Oh, I'll never be a saint. Oh, I'll never be simple. Oh, I'll never be peaceful. Oh, I'll never make decisions out of communion with God. All of those are lies that drag us and weigh us and keep us in the heavy things of the earth, sin and original sin. Entertain light. That is the heritage of the resurrection. Go toward the light. That's exactly what the three wise men did. And when they did it, they found God. And God's beauty compelled them to give gifts. And they were at peace. That's Christmas. Go toward the light of the resurrected Christ. Follow it unswervingly. Let His beauty reach you just as the three wise men knelt before the manger and let the beauty of this birth reach them. And it reached them so so deeply that they poured out their treasure. And of course, we know that the only treasure we have is ourselves. This night, when the Lord Jesus visits you, In the most blessed sacrament, pour out your treasure to him. Let his beauty reach you. And ask for the grace to always live in the light.